Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. This Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we're doing a little different this today. It's Palm Sunday, and I was also going to talk about Psalm 118 as we get going. But let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we Thank you for this time together. We thank you for that we can get into your word. We, Father, we just ask you that you be in this service. Hide me behind your cross and use me, O oh Lord, to bring glory to your name. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm starting off with the scripture from Matthew, Matthew 17, 22 and 23. And um, I'm taking it from the NIV. Most of my scriptures will be taken from the New King James Version, but there's a few that I'm using from the NIV. And it says this, when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Now, I find that amazing that he told them exactly what was going to happen. He knew we were getting close. It's going to be happening. He laid it completely out and they were filled with grief. I don't know if you've ever gotten tragic news, but sometimes if you get tragic news, you hear the tragic part, and after that, you kind of just tune everything else out. Maybe he did that. Uh, maybe they all did that, but they was just like, well, if they knew he was going to resurrect, why were they filled with grief? But see, during the last week of his earthly ministry, Jesus deliberately fulfilled messianic prophecies. And the triumphal entry into Jerusalem was an enacted parable, a dramatic way in which Jesus proclaimed his Messiahship. And as this is playing out, out of all the Gospels, it's, this story is in all four Gospels, but the Gospel of Matthew is the only one that ties it with Zechariah 9.9. And so Zechariah 9.9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Jerusalem, Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the text that we're taking today is telling the story of the triumphant entry is Luke 19, 28 through 44. And so it says this. When he has said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem and it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he had sent two of his disciples. Now, he's mentioning two cities that were there by the Mount of Olives, Bethphage and Bethany. Bethany means house of figs. It represents Israel. But Bethphage represents the house of unripened figs. They're not ready yet. And I believe it's a reference to what's getting ready to happen, that Christ is going to go to the cross, and he is going to pay the sin debt for all humanity, and you're going to see the church being birthed for the Gentiles. And it is pointing this out between Bethphage, that's the Gentile believers, and that's going to be coming to faith, and Bethany, which is the house of figs, which is Israel. So 
and it says in verse 30, Go into the village, the opposite of you, whereas you enter, you will find a colt tied into which one has never rode. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why we are loosening it, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said. But as they were loosening the colt, the owner of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and, he, and he, they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their, their clothes on the road, and as he was now drawing near the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And they began saying, and they're quoting from Psalms 118, uh, verse 26, Blessed is the king who has come in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if such were keep silent, that the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. So as he's coming in from the Mount of Olives, he's coming into Jerusalem, he's seeing the city, it's coming into sight, and he begins to weep over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close in on you on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And so... As we see this, he's telling them in the future this city is going to be destroyed. And as he's watching this and he's saying these things, as because they're, they're trying to rebuke him because what they were the, that scripture is found in what, uh, Psalms 118 and verse 26 is messianic. And so as Jesus entered the city... He came as royalty. The most important information of all seen clearly is Isaiah's chapter 52 and 53. And so he is fulfilling a prophecy. So it's like a parable playing out. Instead of telling the story, he's actually doing the story. So... Isaiah 52 and 53 says Messiah would be a lowly servant who would suffer. He shows himself to be a Messiah who would bring peace rather than war. And so this was not popular. This was not a popular idea. You see, they, wanted, they believed when Messiah comes, Messiah was going to overthrow Rome. 
that they were going to be free from all that. And here he's showing himself not to be a warrior and to come as a king, a warrior king, and to overthrow, but he picks these scriptures intentionally to show that he's a man of peace and not a man of war. And so not only is he showing that as he's telling them, his disciples about the destruction of the temple, there'll be not one stone left on another. And when did that happen? That happened in 70 AD. That happened 40 years after the crucifixion. Just Jesus got crucified in 30 AD. 40 years later, the, the temple was destroyed. Why did he give them 40 years? The same way he did the children of Israel as they wandered out in the deserts of Egypt till they got to the promised land for 40 years, he gave them the opportunity for 40 years to repent and seek him as Messiah, but they never did. So, Jesus kept his identity under wraps. And that's why there's so many times in the Bible, you'll hear him when he talks about he did healing, he did certain things. He says, go and tell no one. The reason why he did this, not that he didn't want anyone to know, but what it was, it was, he, it was too soon. He did not want them to understand that he was this Messiah. At this point, they just believed he was a prophet of God and that he had the uh, gift of healing. So Jesus kept his identity under wraps until he came to Jerusalem for the last time. He made his triumphal entry. The cloak of concealment was now removed, and Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy. He forces the hand of the Jewish leaders, bringing their timetable in line with God's. And so now they see how he's coming. They see what he represents. They realize that day as he wrote in on this cult that He's not going to overthrow Rome. He is not going to bring war and deliverance. This is not the Messiah we're looking for. And so what is the significance? What about it so infuriated the Pharisees? The event is the presentation of the king as he rode into Jerusalem. But the answer is what the people were singing that day. And so... When the Pharisees objected, Jesus said that if the people stopped singing, the rocks would cry out. And what were they singing? They were singing the Hallel. They were singing Psalms. The Hallel is Psalms 113 through 118. What they mention here in these scriptures is, is, uh, chapter, is Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. And it says, save now. That translates literally, Hosanna. Hosanna. If it, and so when you read the New Testament event, it talks about how they're calling him Hosanna. What they were saying is, deliver us now. We think Hosanna is a praise word today. It wasn't back then. Hallelujah was a praise word. It means hallelujah. Praise be unto God, Yahweh. And so it goes hallelujah, Yahweh. And so the Hallel is praise, Psalms 113 through 118. And so it says, save now, or Hosanna. I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. See, they were singing this Psalms as Jesus is coming in, the Pharisees saw this, they heard this, and they're saying he's taking this messianic scripture unto himself. 
He believes he's that Messiah. The Pharisees were infuriated that the people applied this psalms to Jesus, and they were infuriated with Jesus for his part. He accepted the application and refused to silence them. And so, as this is happening, there's more coming at play here. Zechariah 14 describes the coming of Messiah into Jerusalem. And so what he's, actually is what is playing out is an Old Testament prophecy that is happening in Zechariah 14. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because they have a picture of what Messiah was doing that we don't really think about or see. So Zechariah 14 describes the coming of Messiah into Jerusalem. He stands on the Mount of Olives where the Palm Sunday pageant started and he enters the city. Then it says the nations will come to celebrate the Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles. Now that's in Zechariah 14, verses 18 and 19. That reference that he's doing in Zechariah 14, as they read this thing and they understood this, so when they think about Messiah, they think about these booths. It translates also tabernacles. And, but this, they celebrated this. What it was a celebration of is the 40 years that they wandered out into the desert. And they had to live in temporary housing. They made little huts, a little booths, if you would. And the reason why they called a tabernacles is because that word is talked about in John. In John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled or dwelt among us. And so this is what they think of, is when they think of this tabernacling. We don't do that. We would say, why are they doing that? That's the wrong time of year. Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. We're in, we're in spring. This is a different thing. But they had this correlation between Messiah and the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacle. This feast celebration includes the waving of palm branches. And you read this in Leviticus 2340. And so that is actually what they did at the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. They, they waved the palm branches, and they were singing the Hallel, Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. So for us, it's the wrong time of year. Like, why are they doing that? It's because they understood the correlation because of the prophecy in Zechariah 14. And so as we see this, and there's this Hallel, and they're singing, and they're carrying on, that's why the, the, the Pharisees wanted them to stop. He has taken messianic scriptures and those people are singing it to him as if he's that Messiah and he's not rebuking them. And even when they said to him, we said to him, you need to stop your people from singing this now. He says, if, if they don't sing, the rocks will cry out. See, there's another indication that the people of Jesus associated the Feast of Booths with the coming of Messiah. And you find that in Luke chapter 9. Twenty-eight through thirty-six. 
This is Jesus at the Transfiguration, or the Mount of Transfiguration is what we call it. And so I want to read this to you because we get this mixed up of what was going on. Jesus went out to pray. He began to be, had, had this, what we call transfiguration. He began to glow. He began to show the real majesty of who he was. And so I'm going to read, read starting in verse 28 of chapter 9. It says, Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles or booths, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came, overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud, and the cloud came, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days of any of the things they had seen. Now, the reason why Peter did that, first of all, Moses and Elijah showed up. Moses represents the Old Testament law. Elijah represents the prophets, the writings of the prophets. So it's the law and the prophets, and they were there. And Jesus was glorified, and he, he was radiating the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God was on him, and he was radiating. And when Peter said this, let's build booths, why would he do that? Because they associate the coming of Messiah with booths of this feast as we've already talked about. And this is another illustration by why he said that. Of course, he was correlating it since Moses was there and Elijah was there. Let's build them all one. But the reason why we don't, God said not to do that is because the law points to Christ. The law it can't get us there. It can only point us to a point. And after that, you have to look to Jesus as the answer. The prophets and the writings of the prophets they all pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. And so when God said, oh, this, if you do anything, you're only doing it to one, and that's my son. And so, but this correlation between Messiah and the Feast of Booths is very evident, and that's why Peter called this out. Peter was not trying to build uh, dwelling places so that they could stay on the mountain longer. As some people had say, well, he wanted to build this and stay up there. No. What he was doing was saying we need to carry out the very thing that we do at the Feast of Booths. For We're looking for the coming of Messiah, and Messiah's here. And so that, that's the correlation, that they could stay on the mountain. But it was celebrating the Messiah 
with the Feast of Booths is what Peter was actually pointing out. And we get that wrong, so we don't, we don't really understand that. So, this Palm Sunday, remember, the Hallel, praise, Psalm 113 through 118. That's what they were singing. And what were they crying out? And they were singing that Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah had come. Save us now. Hosanna. Deliver us now. Hosanna. It wasn't going to go the way that they thought, but this is why things changed. On one Sunday, they're praising him, but it's motivating the scribes and the Pharisees and the, the leaders of the temple when he came into Jerusalem on that donkey's colt to say, this is not the Messiah we want. We want a warrior Messiah. We wanted a deliverer, and that's why it's going to go so quickly from Hosanna to crucify him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, that you so loved us that you came and gave yourself for us that we might be delivered in and through you, that you paid our sin debt in full, that you loved us so, that that cross that was set before you, you endured the shame, and you called it and considered it joy that was set before you. And we're thankful for that, Lord. And so we just commit the rest of this service into your hands in this day, and lead, guide, and direct us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.